Let's just come before the Lord in prayer and let's ask Him to speak to each one of our hearts where we need to hear His Word. Let's pray. So Lord, our awesome God, the One who is all-knowing, the One who is all-powerful, the One who has been and will be forevermore, the unchanging God, thank You, God, that we can come here this morning in obedience to Your Word, but also out of great love for You, to come and meet together as Your people, to come and sit under Your Word, to come and sing Your praises, to come and bear our souls before You, to come and allow Your Holy Spirit, our God, to do Your work in us. And Lord, as we come before Your Word, may we put ourselves under the authority of Your Word, because it is Your breathed out Word to us. May we not have our minds shaped by the society around us, but may you transform us and mould us into the image of your Son. And so, Lord, make your word come alive in us, because your word is the means of our salvation as you use it in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray in each of us, point to those areas in our lives, as men and as women, where you are working. May we give in to your spirit. May we not resist what you are doing in us. And Lord, we look forward to that day when we will all be changed to be like your son, Jesus Christ. Perfect in every way. Do your work in us now, we pray. Amen. Well, those passages we just read, if it caused something in you to go, I can't accept this, there's something wrong. You've got to come to understand what God's Word says because... Before God, there are no second-rate citizens. We, as men and women, are equal before Him. And yet, God's given us different roles to play in the way that He builds His kingdom. And if we understand those things properly, that before Him we are all equal, but that He's given us very specific roles under His wisdom that we are to fulfill then we'll be able to understand these passages and walk out of a place like uh, out of the service and know that God can use us in this community. And so we need to be reading the context inside which we bring passages like the Proverbs woman today. We looked at Proverbs men last week and the week before that a general what do men and women of Proverbs look like? What does the wise man and woman of God look like? And so let's just turn to Philippians chapter 2. This is a context around this sermon this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, 
being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. There's the pattern for us today. Submissive obedience to God first. And then God raises us up. All to the glory of God the Father. There's the basic framework of what we're looking at this morning. So when we come to the topic of what does it mean to be a woman of God, the immediate association we have and many people have is Proverbs 31. Okay, Woman of God, Proverbs 31. And some, some take it to such extremes, and you might not see this as an extreme, but just to wear long skirts, braided hair, and all kinds of stuff that go with Proverbs 31, and I could say a lot more there. But is that what, is that what Scripture means? Is that all that it means? Surely there must be more to it. You see, when we read this description, and you heard it this morning, the Proverbs 31 woman, she seems such a larger-than-life superwoman. Yeah? She's running on the ultimate batteries. They never seem to give in. She's the ultimate multitasker. Not only does she only do good for her husband, she makes her own clothing for her children too. She has an international food and fashion importing business. And while she's doing that, she's also buying real estate. Don't forget that. And she's risen way before daylight to arrange the meals for the day for her and her servants. You thought your day was busy, ladies. Meet superwoman. So if we look at Proverbs 31 in that light, surely it can't be a checklist for what a woman of God is to be. It's not a checklist. We had the same with the men last time. There's all these requirements that God puts in front of us, but it's not a checklist. If you haul out a piece of paper with little blocks on it and you haul out your pen and you start ticking off, you've got the wrong attitude towards these things. What God has put before us, like we saw last week, is the ideal woman. This is His standard He's put before us. But don't, it's not a checklist. It's what we strive to be before the Lord and with His help. You see, God has given us His Holy Spirit. And He helps us to reach His ideal. He helps us to reach His standard of life. That holiness that He keeps talking about in Scripture. 
And men, here's a warning for you. Don't even think of hauling out Proverbs 31 as a checklist if you want to live. <laughs> Don't go anywhere near it. So what do we do in, then with Proverbs 31? Because it is part of Scripture. It is here. What do we do with it? You see, like with the qualities listed for men, Proverbs 31 is not a checklist, but rather God's standard of holiness. And it's impossibly high to attain. The Ten Commandments would have shown you that as well. God puts His commands before us. They're impossible to attain. That's the point. Without His help, we can't. But they're there. Because also God knows that like men, women are imperfect. Sorry, ladies. Women have their cruelitable hair days. I've got some ladies in the house too. They have the I could murder my husband moments. And some days they could retire blissfully to the other side of the planet where everything is restful, there's no work and they serve out lattes free. You see, God has chosen the imperfect woman to do His perfect will. I'll repeat that. God has chosen imperfect women, God has chosen imperfect men to do His perfect will. We see that right through Scripture. We, read, we heard about Sarah this morning. Sarah was Abram's wife. Well, was she the perfect woman? No. She was cynical of God's promises to her. God had promised to give her a son and instead she took matters into her own hands when it didn't look like God knew what He was doing. And she gave her husband her maidservant, which was not a good idea in the first place. And that led to all kinds of complications. And yet from her came the Messiah and the people after God's own heart from that same woman. There's some encouragement. Deborah, who was Deborah? She was a warrior woman. Are you listening, ladies? She was a warrior woman. She was a soldier. She was one of Israel's judges. She doesn't fit this typical stereotype of a woman who's a keeper at home. And then there's Rahab. She was a prostitute. And she welcomed God's people when they came to Jericho. And she's listed as one of the heroes of faith. There's encouragement. And then there's Priscilla. Priscilla was a New Testament believer. She was a Christian and she was a friend of the Apostle Paul. And she ministered alongside her husband in proclaiming the gospel. And there was another woman God used. Imperfect woman used by God for His perfect will. And that's where you and I come in. You see, God chose to use these people in Scripture despite their shortcomings and their failures. So take courage in that. And then there's the 1 Peter, the Titus, and the Ephesians passages. The passages on submission that we looked at this morning. What do we do with these ones? You see, you knew I was going to read those, didn't you? I had to. They're part of God's Word. We can't shy away from these. You know there are churches that won't read those passages at all anymore? Because society says that's not right. But they misunderstood passages. You might come in front of these submission passages and in the context of your own life you think, 
Oh, this is all too much, too hard. No, I'm not going to do this. I'm opting out. And many women have. But is that what God wants? Is that the reaction He wants from you and I? You see, if you as a woman today are identifying your self-identity according to five or six passages only, those that mention women specifically, well, maybe your view of biblical womanhood is a little too narrow. You see, the truth is, biblical womanhood does not begin and end in Proverbs 31, 1 Peter, Titus, and Ephesians. Biblical womanhood starts in Genesis, and it ends in Revelation. Biblical womanhood lies between the pages of the whole of God's revelation to us. Not just the pages about women, the pages about being a believer. Because as a woman, aren't you a believer? As men, aren't we believers? And so those things apply to us. And that's why I read Philippians chapter 2. You see, when we go right back to the beginning of Genesis, there's we find Eve. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. And God promises the Savior of the world at that point. And there's Eve right in the middle of the story. And so ladies, you need to pay attention. You play a bigger part than that of just domestic slave and home goddess. There's a bigger part to play. There's a Genesis to Revelation part, according to God and His wisdom. You have a unique role as a woman of God. There we find Eve, the perfect female specimen. Look, God created her and the first woman He made, she was, must have been perfect because God would never do an imperfect job. And there was this perfect woman with everything going for her, But she's fallible, like you and I. She listens to the tempter's voice. She sins. Her husband doesn't live up to the role he's supposed to live up to. He's a passive husband. And so she steps forward and sins. However, that's not the end. Praise the Lord. You see, there's much more to the story. Yes, now she has to live under the effects of the fall. There's painful childbirth and there's a male eye don't know what that is. She has this desire now to rule over a husband, which is part of the fall. But there's a bigger picture. Through Eve, generations down the line, comes the Savior of the world, the Messiah. And what does God do? He calls her and all women and men to be like the son that he sent to the world. He calls all men and women to put themselves under His Son, to imitate His Son, to be holy. And therein lies your freedom as a Christian woman and as a Christian man. Therein lies your freedom. It's in imitating Jesus Christ because you'll find your freedom there. So what does a Proverbs woman look like? What's a woman of God to look like? She's to be an imitator of Jesus Christ, both in character and in practice. Philippians 2, the passage we read, says, In humility, she is to count others more significant than herself. Now think of the Peter, Titus, Ephesians passages we read. 
think of it in context of this verse, she is to count others more significant than herself. She is to submit to others. Isn't that what it says? And that means... Now listen carefully to what I'm saying. That means you've got to submit to your husband, not because he's your husband, but because of your role as his wife, and God says so. But that's not the only reason. It's because you are imitating Jesus Christ in being the servant of your husband. You are imitating Jesus Christ by being the servant of your teenagers. By being a servant of your children. You are imitating Jesus Christ. But your husband's called to the same thing. And your children, if they are believers, are called to the same thing. They are to submit to you. Your husband is submit to you as a human being. Because he's imitating Jesus Christ. Do you see how it all puts together? Imitating Jesus Christ is the key to all this. Like Christ, you're to look to the interests of others. Like Christ, you're to take on the form of a servant. In all aspects of your life, you're to bow the knee to Jesus Christ and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Here's the great one. To the glory of God the Father. You see, if there's this mutual submission in our roles before the Lord, then God is glorified. What is the chief end of man? Here's an old catechism question coming out. What is the chief purpose of mankind? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. There we are. So being a Christ imitator has far-reaching implications for you in your role as a woman and a man of God. Men, don't fall asleep today. I'm speaking to everyone. I want to speak to single ladies here today. And it doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter if you, your husband's passed away or you're unmarried. If you're a single lady here today, please listen to these words. You must have heard this before. I believe a woman's highest calling is to be a wife and a mother. Well, is that true? If so, does that mean that until you have a husband and children, you're only half a woman? Does that mean you, that you have to have a husband to be happy and fulfilled as a woman? I tell you, plenty of women would say no. Because of personal experience. You see, the notion that single women, in, if you extrapolate that further, that single women do not have full access to growth in Jesus Christ is ridiculous, isn't it? So why would you limit yourself to a few passages? Look wider at the bigger picture. You see, if you limit the scope of biblical womanhood to a few passages, that's where you arrive. You're limiting your growth in Jesus Christ. We've got to look at these passages in the context of the purpose for all believers. What is that? Christ-likeness. Obedience to Christ. If you look at those passages in that context, then it makes sense. And yes, the truth is that marriage is good and right before the Lord. And marriage is a great joy and a blessing in the context when it's a God-centered marriage. But you see, Satan twists the truth by suggesting to women that the purpose of marriage is personal happiness and fulfillment. And many women believe that. If I want to be personally happy and fulfilled, I must be married. 
It's a good thing, but it's not the truth. It's a lie. And if you believe that you can't be happy without a husband to love you and to meet your needs, you've believed a lie from Satan. You are your own person before the Lord. You are to be a Christ imitator. Find your joy and fulfillment there. You see, the truth is that the ultimate purpose of marriage is not to make me happy, but to glorify God. And so when the Lord gives you a husband, when He puts you together as man and wife, you're not just there to have your fulfillment and your happiness. It is to glorify Him first. And so women who get married for the sole purpose of just finding happiness are setting themselves up for almost certain disappointment. Because the better you get to know your hubby, the more you'll see that he's also a fallen person like you. And if that's all you had to look forward to, you're going to be disappointed. We are real too, like you. We do things that irritate you immensely, like you do to us. But we love you, ladies, like you hopefully love us. And so, when people are just looking for this happiness in marriage, they often settle for less than the best than God has intended for them. And that is why in desperation, some will marry unbelievers, contrary to what God's Word says. It's taking a shortcut, you see. Much like Sarah did with her handmaiden. And I know that sounds harsh, but God teaches that right through His Word. And so they get their men, but they end up with spiritual leanness in the soul. They end up with a spiritual drag on their lives. Someone who doesn't build them up in their faith, but will pull them away from the faith. If you want to find real happiness and fulfillment, this is the secret which is an open secret from God's Word. It is serve God as you are. Serve God as you are, ladies. Whether you're married or unmarried, serve the Lord as you are. God has promised to give you everything you need to lead you to greater godliness and holiness. And if He knows that a husband is going to make that possible and better for you, He will provide you with a husband to together be holy before Him. But maybe He's called you to, on your own, be holy for Him. He's called you to that. He knows He's the God of wisdom. So do you want to be happy? Then choose to be satisfied with what God has already provided you. You see, those who insist on going their own way and taking their own shortcuts sometimes go through very unnecessary heartache. But those who trust in the Lord... Though it's hard at times, they will always get His best. And sometimes that doesn't make sense to us in those moments. And it could be years that it doesn't make sense. But you need to trust God. He will give you His best for your life. And then, while you are unmarried lady, um, ladies, I want to urge you to serve others. You know, when you get married things get a little bit more complicated because there are other people that we've got to consider all the time. You've got your husband, his schedule at work, his commitments, you've got your children, and if you've played Mother's Taxi before, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. You've got to work these things into your diary. 
There's not much time to serve much else outside your home because that's where you're caught up in, right? But if you're not married or if you're single, serve others. What an opportunity. Get involved in others' lives in that way. Go and visit the sick. Go and see people in the hospital. Go and get involved in the church family's life. There's all kinds of things you can help with at a church like this. They don't have to be sick for you to visit them. Just go and get involved in other families' lives. Adopt a family. Whether they like it or not, just go and attach yourself. Get in among them. You know, there are a few individuals in this church who are great examples of that already. Now, praise the Lord for them. Quietly in the background, they've attached themselves to our family. And they, we love it. They've attached themselves to this church body. And quietly in the background, they're doing their thing. Visiting people, encouraging, writing cards. It's fantastic to see. And then a general word to all you ladies. And this is my so what section. So we, we're, we're there already. Six points. First one is this one. Ladies, your worth lies in Christ first. You're going to hear a lot of first now, but you are multitaskers. You can do this. Your worth lies in Christ first. Listen to me, ladies. I'll repeat it. Your worth as a woman lies in Christ first. You see, Proverbs 31 is a beautiful blueprint of a godly woman and one that all women should seek to emulate and men should seek to admire. However, you should never forget that your worth does not come from meeting any standard. Your worth comes from the work that Christ has already done on your behalf and that He still continues to do in your behalf. And that love of Christ that is available to you at any time when you want it, there is where your worth lies. He's ready to pour His love out on you, whether you feel you deserve it or not. Your worth lies in Christ first. Not a demand in sight. Yes, in what He has done. Secondly, ladies, be obedient to Christ first. I know I said that. There's another first for you. Be obedient to Christ first. And that's where passages like 1 Peter, Titus, Ephesians come in. Are they no longer relevant in our modern society? No, that's not true at all. We, how can we cut out bits of God's Word and leave them because they don't suit us in our society? In the right context, if you are obeying Christ first, you will obey Him in this matter too. You see, God in His wisdom does call you as women to a very specific role. As mothers in your home, as women to your husbands, as women in the church context, whether society agrees with the way we do it or not, and women in a work context. But if you're already submitted to Christ and wanting to obey Him, then you'll do what He says because He calls you to do so. And that's why you can submit yourselves to, in a loving way to your often flawed husband. That's why you can submit yourself in your role to your very demanding teenagers and your often messy children. 
It's in your role before the Lord. Not your personhood. And in serving, even, yes, your messy children, you can experience the joy of serving Christ first, you see. Why am I doing this again? I've tidied, how many times have they not tidied their rooms? I've tried, the toilet is always dirty. But I serve Jesus Christ first. I will do it with joy for Him. Obey Him first. You've got a very specific role He's called you into. And note, there's no difference between your, you and your husband as believers before His throne. We are all one in Christ. Male, female, Jew, Gentile. We're all one before Him. But He calls us to specific roles before Him. Where do we see that? We see that in the Trinity. Father, Son and Spirit. One. Equal. But subservient to each other in their roles. The Son always trying to glorify the Father. The Spirit always pointing to the Son in His role. Do you see the difference? The world doesn't see that. There's the context of what God calls us to. So serve Him in your role. Be obedient to Jesus Christ first. Thirdly, here's another first for you. You ready? Multitasking. Serve Christ first. And this is a type of selfless service I'm speaking about. It's a, a service which is contra society by its very nature. You see, society shouts, my needs, my wants, my career, my demands, my fulfillment, my, my, my. Christ says the opposite. He says, serve me. Be like me. Humble yourself like me. Do things my way. Be a woman of God. And that's why we hardly need to look at these, and I'm not copying out here, why we ne hardly need to look at these passages of 1 Peter, Titus and Ephesians. If we are serving Christ first, if we are obedient to Him first, if our worth lies in Him first, then whatever He says in those passages X, Y plus B, we just do. Him first. You see, the instructions, if you read those passages, are very easy to understand. But they're very hard to apply. Why? Because me keeps getting in the way. Third, fourthly, put your walk with Christ first. You can do this, ladies. Put your walk with Christ first. You see, by your very nature, God has created you to be a nurturer. You're very different to the male. The male just wants to get out and do things, so we don't think about things too deeply. But as a woman, you are a nurturer before Him. He's made you like that. That's why I think He's given the woman has to have the kids. Because if the man had to have the kids, we'd lose two and forget about the others. You the nurturer. He's made you in that role. And so you'll want to fix things and people. You'll want to fix your husband. You'll want to fix especially your teenagers. You see, but the problem is as soon as you place your focus on someone else's failures, your own failures go into the background. Because you're so focused on these other ones you want to change. You can do something about your own failures, but not necessarily about the failures of someone else. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to do that. 
And yes, in the, in the context of being a good friend to your husband, as we saw last week, being his best friend, you would like to see him walking a better walk before the Lord. And so, in that context, yes, you may want to change your husband. But Scripture says to us that maybe more husbands would be changed if their wives were willing to let God take over that process. Ladies, God knows what your husband gets up to. He knows how many times you've got to pick up those clothes or whatever he does. Leave the change to God. You want to see your husband changed? Ladies, I beg you, don't whine, nag or preach at him. Leave that to me. No. Live a godly life before Him, says Scripture. Live a godly life before Him. We read about that in Ephesians, didn't we? 1 Peter. Live a godly life before your husband because that will speak to his soul. That will speak to your teenage sons. That will speak to your teenage daughters. It will show them this is what a godly woman looks like. This is what a saint of God, this is what a holy person looks like. Live a holy life before your teenagers, before your husband. And allow God to bring the change into their lives. You see, if you don't do that, all you do is you build up resistant people around you, defensive people. Oh, mum's on about that again. Rather, pray for them. There's a second one. Live a godly life and then come before the throne room of God with them. Ladies, Pray for your husband. Pray for your teenagers. Pray for your children. You see, when you take your concerns to the Lord, you're appealing to a much higher power to act in your husband's life than your talking can ever do. Allow God to work in his life. It's a lot harder for a man to resist God than to resist a nagging wife. Because God knows our souls right to the core. He will change us. So I'll read those four things first. again. Your worth lies in Christ first, ladies. Secondly, be obedient to Christ first. Serve Christ first. Your walk with Christ must come first. And then fifthly, your family must come first. If you're an employer here this morning as a lady, if you employ others, if you run a business, whatever it is, then balance your work and your home time very well. Yes, you have responsibilities towards your business. But run your home and business life very well. If you're employed as a woman, don't allow your employers to take more and more and more of your time. They will suck up everything they get. Speak to your employer. We're living in an era now where the Prime Minister is also pushing for more balance, even though she does all kinds of other things wrong. But she's saying there needs to be more... This is the time to speak to her employer. Speak to them. You see, you need to draw the line with your employer. And yes, you might have to pay the price for that. But draw the line. Your husband, your children, your home need you first. They don't need your paycheck first. And yes, I know I'm oversimplifying there because financially we've also got to make ends meet. I get that. But the highest priority, if we're going to trust in the Lord to provide for our needs as He does for the sparrows of the field, then our highest priority is 
to serve where God has put us first. Proverbs 15:16 says, "Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil." Hear what Proverbs is saying? You see, money can always be had. But relationships don't last forever. The slow fade starts creeping into relationships. And before you've noticed it, there's distance and a coldness between you and your spouse, you and your teenagers, you and your children, because you're never home. And it probably works both ways. Your husband's also hardly home. No wonder our teenagers sit with problems sometimes, because what brings them up? Mr. Google and his cohorts. You are the heart of your home, ladies. You are the heart of your home. And it's quite sad to see small children being brought up by strangers many times. And I know sometimes it has to be done, but it's sad to see. There's a second warning I want to put out among this one, make your family first. And that's about friends. Ladies, it's great to have good friends and spend time with them because we must surround ourselves by good friends. But don't let your friends suck up all your time. While your home lies uncared for and disorderly. Yes, have a good time out with the girls. Have a good time out. Enjoy yourselves. Build each other up. Have good laughs. But make sure that everything is right where it must be right first. Your priorities before the Lord. And then lastly, ladies, I left this one for last. Place your husband first. Another one. Why do I say that? You see, I say that specifically because there's a growing movement of women in our present society in New Zealand who get together and under the guise of letting our hair down, have a criticize, criticize my husband fest. What's your husband like? Well, you should see what mine gets up to. And this under the mistaken notion that it empowers them more as modern New Zealand women. It's around, very alive, here in Whanganui. Ladies, Proverbs 31 verse 10 to 12 states this. Listen carefully to these words from Proverbs. An excellent wife, who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and no harm all the days of her life. Have good friends, but watch out. Put your husband first. You see, would you hurt that once best friend of yours in this way? Would you be part of damaging the reputation of someone else's husband? Because by participating in it, you're helping in that process. How do I know that? Proverbs 26 says the following. I'll turn to it. Proverbs 26, verse 20. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 26, verse 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. 
And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. I wish more of us, men and women, would hear this one. By listening to someone else moaning and just moaning about their husband, you are adding fuel to the fire. If you weren't there, they wouldn't be speaking about it. So don't listen. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Rather, ladies, I want to put to you in conclusion, what is the legacy you are leaving as a woman of God? What is the legacy that you will leave behind you when you are no longer here? What is it that your children and your relatives and your friends will talk about? I want to plead with you this morning, embrace God's legacy for you. What is that? You see, if you've got the perfect picture in front of you, what is that that God has for you as a woman of God? Well, believe it or not, it's in Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, verses 26 to 31. Look at those verses. Here's a beautiful picture of what it looks like to be a woman of God and the legacy that God has for you if you are faithful to Him. Proverbs 31, verse 26. Listen to this. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. When you are no longer here anymore, uh, will they say about you, man, when she spoke, wisdom came out of her mouth. Kindness came out of her mouth. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. When you no longer hear, ladies, well, they talk about how you really looked after your family. No one could have done more than what you did. Or will they say, oh, she was a bit slack on the household front. Verse 28, this is the one that really gets to me. Her children rise up and call her blessed. What will your children say of you one day when you're in the long box? What a mum I had, man. I want to marry a, a woman like my mother. Sorry, my wife. I'm a bit slow on that. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Does your husband only speak good? He can't help but speak good about you. That's just the woman you are. Many women have done, this is what he says about you, alright? Proverbs 29. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Is that the words on his lips? Well, that's what the Lord has for you. Proverbs 26, verse 20 to 28. Look at what the Lord has in store for you. His legacy is waiting for you, ladies. If you will be one who is a Christ imitator before Him. And so men and women of God, listen to me this morning. Be Christ imitators. Submit one to another in Christ because you submit to Christ first. Don't get stuck on certain passages and train your whole thinking around those passages. 
include those passages under the bigger context of be imitators of Jesus Christ. Serve others as Christ served you. Be a servant to others. Put others first. Because if we do that, we will be men and women who give God the glory. And that is the chief purpose of men and women. Give God the glory due to Him. And when the world looks at us, and when the world looks at the church, and, and, and sadly to say today, when the world looks at the church, the stats for the church are not so good. But we can be men and women who honor the Lord in our marriages. We can be women who submit to our wives with love, submit to our husbands with love. We can be men who look after our, our wives with the love of Jesus Christ, always wanting the best for her. Why? Because we submit to Christ first. And when we do, the world takes note because we're very different. And who is glorified in the end? It speaks about God and what He can do in imperfect people like you and I. God can take what's imperfect and slowly turn it into perfection. He must do it. And let's allow Him to do that in this church and in our relationships that are represented in this church. Amen. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank You for the wisdom of Your Word. And thank You that You've given us Your Word. But Lord, help us to submit to it. Help us not to get caught up in fighting about this verse and that verse, because it's all taken out of context. May we see the great context here of being like Christ, of imitating Christ, of serving others, everyone around me, as Christ served me, by finding me when I was running full tilt away from Him, with my hand up, held in the air, in rebellion against Him, and turning my head, and turning me to see His grace poured out on me, and then, Lord, giving me a new life, and giving me life which lasts forever. It's all because of Christ. Lord, help me to imitate Him in everything I do, everything I say, every attitude I have towards any other person, my wife, my husband, my children, my neighbors, my employers. May we serve Christ and imitate Him, we pray. We ask this in the name of the One who can make all these things possible, Jesus Christ, and His Spirit who works in us. To the glory of the Father. Amen.